Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away, let me speak for the love of God! Ah, well, here we are, Ben, stuck inside Zoom again, thanks to another fucking lockdown. (laughs) How are you, sir? You're good, dude. I'm getting a little bored of my own house, to be honest. Bored in a house and I'm in a house. Bored. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was understood when I came on board the podcast that there would be no rapping. <laughs> well, look, before we do before we do start, in the spirit of today's uh, show, just a reminder that um, turn off your lapel mic when you go take a piss later, okay? I thought that was also in my my contract <laughs> that all my all my bowel movements and uh, <laughs> would be recorded for posterity there's always that fine line between like you know too many fart gags in one scene and then not enough fart gags in one scene yeah. <laughs> uh, shit man does this music take you back it does it does indeed it takes me way back does it does it uh, do you remember what the first spoof movie you ever saw was uh that's a good question probably flying high oh uh, no maybe Maybe it was one of the one of the Naked Gun movies. I'm actually not sure. I reckon Flying High was mine. Yeah, I mean, because Flying High, well, Flying High was always on TV, so I would yeah, have yeah. just caught bits of it. But I remember not, like not being that into it because I wasn't. I was com- completely unfamiliar with all the things it was taking the piss out of, <laughs> and like a lot of the jokes just went over my head. Whereas, whereas the Naked Gun movies. Even though I didn't know half the things that they were taking the piss out of, it was just funny. <laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of Naked Gun, the, the theme music you are listening to is from the Naked Gun, one of the great comedy spoofs. Man, I stumbled across some absolute doozy movies <laughs> when I was preparing for this show. In fact, I'm going to use one of them as my recommendation. Uh, surely, man, you're like, with a man of your wit, you must love a really good spoof movie, mate. I, I do. And look, I... I watched a ton uh, of movies uh, for this episode. Unfortunately, I can't talk about all of them, but I will. Can I just list some of the ones that yeah. I watched? I'd be. Very I'm going to do that. I'd be. I'd be very interested to see if there are any doubles uh, with uh, anyone out with with you or with uh, any of the um, the segmenters, uh, the boneheads, or anything like that. Um, yep. So yes, well. We'll get to them in just a minute. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Cool. Well, um, I don't know about anywhere else in the world, but down here, the word spoof does have another pronunciation that uh, was very popular in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. 
<laughs> well, I've I've been really looking forward to this episode. What a treat this is. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you listen from. This is Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShamp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. Every week we babble on about movie stuff, and this week is an absolute banger. My name is Glenn Cochran, and if you're looking for a good time, then... I have an assortment of souvenirs, novelties, and party tricks for enjoyment. And here with me, as he is every week, is Ben Helwig, who thinks he's pretty funny, but surely he can't be serious. Hey, mate. (laughs) Yahoo! (laughs) Uh, So if you are blind and you didn't see the banner of today's show, or perhaps you're deaf and you're not even listening at all, then you might not have realised that today's show is all about movie spoofs, the brand of comedy parody that takes the piss out of the more serious movies. And today we have one of the godfathers of the genre, David Zucker, as our special guest. He has the privilege of talking to me, so stick around because uh, we're going to talk about all manner of things, including the Kentucky Fried Movie, Two Girls, One Cup, and a Zoom Guide to Masturbation. Uh, so also on today's show, we are debuting a brand new segment, which I'm really excited about. And in turn, we're going to introduce you to a new member to the team. Chloe from the podcast Movie Night with the Richie Girls will be squeezing herself into the show to weigh in on today's theme. And of course, our regular segments from Jared Garn, Guillermo Troncoso, Adam Ross, Bonehead Weekly, all coming up. It's a banger of a show. Let's get cracking. We'll start now, then we'll begin with... Did you hear the starter pistol? (laughs) (laughs) Keep your ears open. (laughs) All right, now we'll begin. Mate, well, we'll get to some recommendations in a few minutes, but it must be said that before David Zucker and Jerry Zucker and Jim Abrams came along, the parody genre was pretty much dominated by Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, not to mention maybe Monty Python. Spaceballs and and Young Frankenstein do come to mind as... uh, some of the biggest spoofs of all time, but why the fuck is no one talking about Dracula dead and loving it? Uh, I think a lot of people didn't think it was very good. (laughs) I do. I think it's great. (laughs) Yeah, but we all, anyone who's listened to more than one episode of this show (laughs) understands uh, how questionable your taste uh, is. (laughs) Oi! So, so what's your um what would your sort of favorite Mel Brooks film be if I was to ask you which I am Uh probably History of the World Part 1 We watched that in high school we tricked our history teacher into letting us watch that one Oh really <laughs> Like this is legit, legit. Yeah. I was just I was always very disappointed that there was no History of the World Part 2 I was always, Hitler on ice Hitler on ice <laughs> Jews in space like I was, uh, you know, I was really looking forward to that. <laughs> he did so many great parodies. High Anxiety, Silent Movie, Young Frankenstein, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Blazing Saddles, amongst others. And Carl Reiner, of course, did some bangers too. But they were not so much parody, but um, stuff like The Man with Two Brains and Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, Fatal Instinct, The Jerk. Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> funniest one of them all. <laughs> funniest, yeah, funniest of them all. All right, well, let's um, let's recommend a couple of movies in a minute. But first, I guess we'll check out what's coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, and UH, or UH, what is it? UHD. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> UH, UHF. Mm. That too, soon. 
Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now, going to start off with a little news this week, and that is Roadshow are releasing the Hitman's Weiss Bodyguard on home entertainment on August 25th. Now, they'll be releasing it on Blu-ray and DVD. There'll be no 4K skew this time around, which is a shame given that they put the first one out on 4K. However, if you are a 4K enthusiast like myself, you can import it from the US as it will be releasing a week earlier on August 17th via Lionsgate and it will have a Dolby Atmos track. Now if you enjoyed the first one, this is pretty much more of the same. You've got the same director returning, Ozzie Patrick Hughes, and the same principal cast returning, Ryan Reynolds, Samuel Jackson, and Selma Hayek. And this time they're joined by Antonio Banderas and Morgan Freeman. Look, it's a bit of fun and it should look spectacular on 4K Ultra HD if you import it like I will be. Then coming out on 4K Ultra HD locally on that same date, August 25th, via Studio Canal as part of their Classics Remastered series, is Akira Kurosawa's Ran in a 3-disc set. Now that comprises of one 4K Ultra HD and two Blu-rays, and this set is loaded with special features, including a feature-length documentary on the making of the film. And the 4K restoration is accompanied by Dolby Vision and HDR10 on the 4K. Then moving on to September 1st, Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment will be releasing Star Trek, the original four movie collection. Odd that they're only doing the first four films and not the first six films, given it's like the original cast in the first six films before they cross over with Next Gen in seven with Generations. But in any case, they're doing the four movie collection. It's coming out September 1st. It's coming out in 4K Ultra HD and it will have Dolby Vision and HDR10. It's going to port all the legacy special features over and will have an addition of an isolated score track on all four of the films. However, it will not have Dolby Atmos in any one of the films, which is a damn shame and a missed opportunity in my books. Instead, it'll just be going with the previous Dolby True HD 7.1 tracks from the previous Blu-ray releases. Then, last but not least, Escape Room Tournament of Champions is coming out on September 22nd, and thankfully it's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, care of Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. So if you don't get to check that one out in theaters at the moment, at least you know it's coming home in September 22nd. Now, I'm only going to be talking about one major release this week, and I'll, I'll briefly mention another. So this week, coming out on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD, is the recent Mortal Kombat movie. Now, the, I'll talk about the 4K Ultra HD. Basically, this thing is loaded with special features. In terms of the actual film itself, it's got Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision, and HDR10. But there is so many special features on this release. It's like, it is literally ridiculous. Aside from deleted scenes, there's an anatomy of a scene which has seven featurettes and breaks down the film from the storyboard, production, post-production uh, phase. Then you've got, you've actually got 11 featurettes on the characters in the film. Then you've got uh, from game to movie featurette. I think there's like another two featurettes, one of which actually has all the Easter eggs within the film that, you know, show you ties to particular things from video games, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this is a full-on release. So if you were a fan of this movie, you will not be disappointed with this release. And personally, I can't wait to see what it'll look like at home on 4K. Then the last release I will mention that's coming out this week, uh, it's the Michael Bay produced COVID-23 drama thriller Songbird. Now, you'll be forgiven if you haven't seen or heard of this film because it came, it was shot during the pandemic, during, during COVID-19. Not that we're not still in it, but during the height of the pandemic last year, it was shot. Then it kind of came out, no one saw it, no one really talked about it. I caught up with it, uh, and to be honest, look, this film's really confused. It doesn't really know what it wants to be, and it never really succeeds at doing one thing well. Uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's honestly a bit of a drainer. It's just a missed opportunity, because you can see a lot of money uh, went into this movie, and it's just come off being, um, 
yeah, just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you'll enjoy it, but I highly doubt it. Anyway, Songbird, that's coming out this week from Roadshow. Unfortunately, I can't tell you whether it will be porting all the special feature content from the US release that Universal Pictures put out, or whether it will be bare bones as uh, Roadshow were unable to supply that information in time. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Until next time, stay physical. And, of course, Mortal Kombat does hit shelves this week. And if you're a brand new listener to this show, which I suspect some of you will be, then go back a few weeks and you can listen to our episode where we spoke to Simon McCoy, the director of Mortal Kombat. Ben and I also recorded our reaction video to Mortal Kombat after seeing it at the cinema, so you can find that on our social media pages. In fact, just go back and uh, look up goodmoviemonday.com and you can do a deep dive into everything we do on the show. Cheers to Jarrett for that update. Uh, Jarrett, you can find him on Monster Pictures and Monster Fest social media pages, so go find him see what he's up to enough fucking around ben uh we do have some movies to recommend but boy let's uh i I like to explore the rarities and the obscurities quite often on this show and i will be going with uh with the lesser known ones today perhaps my first one will be the highest of the profiles but um let's run through some honorable mentions first um as you mentioned before you have some did you want to do you want to go for it uh okay (laughs) (laughs) i'll uh i'll start it off i'm just going to run through them quickly like like I did watch a lot, and I actually I I trimmed a lot out of this list uh, of ones that were kind of like because I wasn't sure if they counted as because they weren't actually parodies; they were just kind of stupid breaking the fourth wall comedies, like slapstick, like like well not like slap but like ones where they kind of they talk to the camera or they like it's like this they're, they're smarter than the material kind of comedies. If you know what I yeah, mean, sure. uh, which is very common in, in in a lot of the David Zucker and Mel Brooks kind of parodies, but th- these weren't actually parodies of actual movies. They were just mm-hmm. you know those kind of comedies. So I, I trimmed a lot of those out. So so I'll list these up and just uh, put your hand up if you've uh, if you've seen any of them. All right, um, <laughs> I'm going to go through them quite quick. Uh, Wet Dream on Elm Street, The Flintbones, Clockwork Orgy, The Penetrator, Edward Penis Hands, This Is All the 407th, Prawn, A Tale of Two Titties, Everybody Does Raymond, Cliffbanger, Pulp Friction, Madam's Family, American Booty, Ars Ventura Crack Detective, The Da Vinci Load, Dawson's Crack, Forest Hump, Drill Bill, In Reappendance Day, Legally Boned, Inspector Gadget, Raiders of the Lost Ass, Quantum Deep, Saturday Night Beaver, Saving Ryan's Privates, Twin Cheeks, Buffy the Vampire Layer, The Texas Vibrator Massacre, White Men Can Hunt, The Whores Have Eyes, Womb Raider, and Fat to the Future. <laughs> and that's just from your personal collection. That's I watched all of those this week. <laughs> but I, I discarded I discarded them and I've gone for three for three others that we'll discuss later in the show. Far out. Well, I was gonna say like Silence of the Hands and National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One. <laughs> Never heard of them. Never heard of them, Glenn. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's um. <laughs> sorry, tickled my funny bone there, mate. Which is <laughs> what a good spoof episode should do. <laughs> These are they're all uh, the spoof films. They're all spoofs. All <laughs> so, of those films are spoofs. 
<laughs> so let's go back to 1989, a movie that I probably rented more than any other movie in the history of me rented movies. Uh, in Australia, we knew it as the video from UHF, uh, which is, of course, Weird Al Yankovic's UHF. Uh, possibly the single most quotable movie I can think of. It's um, What a showcase this was for Weird Al. It sort of incorporated a lot of his stage work and TV gags all into one movie. Uh, and, and it in, involved parodies of, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Beverly Hillbillies and, and Rambo, Gandhi too, Gandhi. Conan the yeah. Librarian. <laughs> Do you remember Conan the Librarian? Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> <laughs> I really remember, what was it, uh, the Wheel of Fortune ripoff where he was... Uh, you get Wheel to, of Fish. Wheel of Fish, that's right, and you get to suck the fire hydrant hose. He goes, ooh. No. <laughs> That was no, that was Stanley Spadowski's clubhouse. Oh, <laughs> get it right. <laughs> but what I loved, like, you, you couldn't do some of these gags anymore because Wheel of Fish was hosted by the little Asian guy and his name was Cooney. <laughs> but, um, best of all, like, it had a legitimate storyline going through it, which brought everything together. So, all of the outrageous sketches made sense. And it was all about a, um, a guy whose uncle wins a really rundown sort of little TV station in a bet and assigns his nephew, Widow, to take on the manager's duties. And, um, he, he pulls one stupid idea out of another from his head, and suddenly all these dumb ideas become like a, a they go gangbusters and become a ratings hit, and suddenly the big networks are all threatened by it, and uh, it becomes sort of a war and a takedown. But I'll tell you what, yeah, you said uh, Wheel of Fish there, but you had like Ryle's Animal Kingdom, <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse, I think, is Michael Richards at possibly his funniest. I, I think this is the best thing he's ever done. <laughs> Would you agree? Uh, well, up until he started doing stand up, people called his uh, stand up on. on... <laughs> Camera phone. He came up. He came up with the Cooney joke. Yeah, that does not surprise me. <laughs> but hilarious cameos too. You had Emo Phillips in there, and the Kipper Kids, and John Paragon, also Fran Drescher, and um, it's Victoria Jackson, Kevin McCarthy, David Provel, Billy Barty. It's just, it's such a loaded film, and hands down one of the funniest I've ever seen. I, I I watch it regularly, and I still get a kick out of it. Anyway, that's my first recommendation. What have you got lined up first? Well, funnily enough, speaking of Billy Barty, uh, <laughs> he does pop up in this film. Uh, Mine's from 1987. It's a film called Crazy Legs. Uh, Crazy off, Legs. Crazy Legs, also known as Off the Mark. And it is a kind of a sport, a sport parody movie kind of thing. Kind of like he, they do a similar thing in uh, Better Off Dead when they're um, the two uh, Asian guys in the kind of competing car are doing wide world of sports kind of ripoffs all the way through the, they're kind of in the races. And this is, um, and that's one of the guys from credit kid. That's the bad guy from credit kid too, just in case uh, there's any uh, people <laughs> who haven't seen better off dead in a while. Uh, <laughs> the uh, highlight of his career. <laughs> the, the Yeah, that's right. Um, and this movie was, it was directed by, by Bill Berry, who uh, the only other thing this guy has directed, which I only found out today and I really want to see is called black brotherhood of death. And it's, it's about black Vietnam vets who take on the Ku Klux Klan when they come back from, from Nam. Like <laughs> this sounds, sounds amazing though. He has worked in, in, as a producer on Leprechaun three and night of the demons two. Uh, and that sounds like a, sounds like a Spike Lee joint. It's like black Klansmen crossed with the five hoods. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's, I can't, <laughs> I, I really can't wait to see it. 
Um, <laughs> and it's yeah. So basically, this, this movie is about this this kid uh, played by um, uh, Mark Neely, who has an accident, uh, and uh, it somehow somehow does like damages his spine, and the doctors tell him that basically what he's got is crazy legs which means random at random times his legs go crazy and he can't <laughs> so uh he and these parents uh his parents who are both blind uh invite a russian exchange kind of kid to come and live with them for a while and this kid's like a real bully who just constantly gives him shit about his crazy legs uh so <laughs> So he gets super competitive and uh, and uh, rides like works out on a kind of a, uh, a um, what do you call it an exercise bike and becomes becomes an athlete <laughs> and gets into triathlon uh, and then of course you know fast forwards twenty years later and that Russian kid uh, happens to come over and uh, is finally enough a competitor in the triathlon and he he, ta- he takes him on. Terry Farrell pops up. She's the kind of love interest uh, from uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Becker and Legion, if you remember Legion. Um, and she's like, she's a fellow kind of competitor. Also, um, uh, what's his name? Clarence Gillard Jr. is another competitor. He's, a, he's the, the, black, the black kid who wants to be white. In fact, his character's name is Johnny B. White. And uh, <laughs> people will probably remember Clarence from uh, Die Hard. He's the computer nerd in, in Die Hard who uh, works down at the, um, at the entrance desk kind of thing. Um, but Michael Berryman pops up, Billy Barty. I, like Billy Barty, there's a great scene where, they're, um, where Mark Neely and Terry Farrell are on a date and the waiter suggests uh, that they order this thing with a little Russian dressing on the side and then they, they roll out a cart with Billy Barty in a Cossack outfit getting dressed and abusing them in Russian. That's a level of, that's a level of humor in Crazy Legs. Um, what other podcasts give people a Billy Barty marathon recommendation? Yeah, I think, I think if Billy Barty is not in it, in, the, in an 80s parody, it wasn't really an 80s parody movie. But uh, yeah, that's my first one, Crazy Legs, a.k.a. Off the Mark, 1987. And um, I have no doubt that Almost everybody listening will be writing that one down because that sounds insane. I have I've not even seen that one myself. What's happening, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. I'm here to tell you a little bit of what we've covered on Screen Realm over the past week. Kicking off with Margot Robbie's longest dating Barbie movie, which is finally on the way to becoming a reality. The film will be directed by Oscar-nominated filmmaker Greta Gerwig, a well-known actress in her own right who also directed widely acclaimed pictures Lady Bird and Little Women. Gerwig will also be co-writing the screenplay with Noah Baumbach. I think that's how you say his name. Continuing a long-time collaborative relationship that has seen them work together on projects such as Frances Ha and Mistress America. This Barbie movie project has had a long stop-start journey to get to this point. Juno scribe Diablo Cody had been at one point hired to write it, then Amy Schumer was on board to both write and star, then Schumer left and Anne Hathaway into talks to star. Looks like this is it though, with Margot Robbie on board to star as Barbie. No plot details are known as yet, the film is expected to enter production in early 22 and likely hitting cinemas in 2023. Antonio Banderas is a surprise addition to the long-awaited next Indiana Jones movie. 
Filming is currently underway and the franchise is still entitled Fifth Film, which will bring back Harrison Ford as the iconic archaeologist slash adventurer and feature a lineup that includes Mads Mikkelsen, Phoebe Walter-Bridge, Boyd Holbrook, Toby Jones, Thomas Kretschmann and Shanet Renee Wilson. Still no word on who Banderas will be playing in the film, which is currently being directed by James Mangold, known for Logan, Walk the Line and Ford v Ferrari among other films. Indy 5 is currently scheduled to hit Australian cinemas on July 28th and US cinemas on July 29th. 2022. We also had three movie reviews go up on the website. The first comes from Glenn for Major Grom Plague Doctor, a Russian vigilante glossy Hollywood style blockbuster flick that's gone up on Netflix. I thought the trailer for this one looked pretty cool and flashy and flashy is apparently all this film has got going for it. Glenn gave it two out of five stars. He wasn't very impressed saying if bells and whistles are all you need from a comic book movie, Major Grom Plague Doctor may suffice. If you're looking for a story with weight, perhaps this isn't for you. And at a ridiculously arduous runtime of 137 minutes, it may take a few attempts to reach the end. Jump on screen room to check out that complete review. The next review comes from Adam Fleet and it's for a beautiful little drama called Nine Days. Adam absolutely loved this film, calling it a cinematic rumination on life that you need to experience. The film stars Winston Duke from Black Panther Us as an administrator in an existential no man's land, existing in a time and space outside of life as we know it. It's his job, along with the help of an assistant and friend, to vet a group of applicants vying for the chance to be born. That's the basic premise of this film, which has been getting great reviews, and Adam gave it four and a half out of five stars, saying, and I quote, Nine Days is simultaneously uplifting and devastatingly sad. This is a unique, engaging and often beautiful existential drama that neither the written description nor the trailer can do justice to. It is one of those movies you just need to experience. Now Nine Days was supposed to open in Australian cinemas on July 15th, uh, except for Sydney and then Melbourne also went into lockdown, so I don't know. Uh, look around for Nine Days when it opens, I suggest you see it. And the other review was by yours truly and it was for Black Widow, the new Marvel film that serves as a goodbye to Scarlett Johansson's Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow. I wasn't blown away by the film but I did enjoy it, thought overall it was a solid Marvel film, serving perhaps better as an introduction to Florence Pugh's character Yelena Belova, a character that will have much more to do in the MCU in future. I gave the film 3.5 out of 5 stars, screenrom.com for that complete review. That about does for me guys, thanks as always for having me, hope everyone's keeping safe and keeping their cool out there, until next week, I'm out of here. Oh say can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hail. By the twilight's last gleaming, the bright stripes and broad stars in the perilous night. On the ramparts we watch, and the rocket's red glare. Lots of bombs in the air They cruise through the night That we still had a flag Oh, say does that flag banner Wave over all the free 
in the home of the brave and a land of the free. Ah, oh, the comedy stylings of Leslie Nielsen, mate. That man was <laughs> that man was inherently funny. What a guy. Um, but uh, thanks to Guillermo for the update before that. Um, Guillermo is from Screen Realm, Sydney-based movie site. Visit ScreenRealm.com to check out what's going on up there. And of course, uh, <laughs> you just heard the uh, the rendition of Star Spangled Banner brought to us uh, by <laughs> the legend himself, Leslie Nielsen. You're a fan. Tell me you're a fan. A big fan. It's. I'm just shocked that he was 100% like a straight actor before, before the Zuckers found him. And turn him into a comedy legend. That right there is what made a uh, one of their films all the more hilarious is the fact that they use the straight people, which um, which David's going to talk about in a minute. But um, that does bring us to our chat, the man who redefined comedy along with his brother Jerry Zucker and their mate Jim Abrahams, plus Pat Proft, who um, who's written some of the most iconic comedies of all time. Um, so David and I do talk about a wide range of things, uh, but Ben, let's just focus for a minute on some of their stuff. Like what comes to mind first and foremost, I guess you've kind of answered the question when you hear about a, a David Zucker film. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think, yeah, I think flying high really and naked gun and Le- yep. Leslie, Leslie Nielsen is like synonymous with him, even though he didn't, they'd already made a couple of movies before he came onto the scene. And he um he just became like the stalwart of their of their um of their stuff. Like he even appeared in the scary movies and you know American Carol and all, <laughs> all those movies. And it's it's like when you actually when you watch Flying High, I guess his character is played by the guy from uh, Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, like Robert Graves. Yeah, Robert Graves. He's his character is basically the Leslie Nielsen would become Leslie Nielsen in everything else. I know, and yet they're they're both in it together, and what a yeah. <laughs> what a dynamic duo they are. But um, look, it is a huge legacy, and in addition to the movies they all made together, they went and made all kinds of solo projects. So Abrams went on to make the two Hot Shots movies. He also made Jane Austen's Mafia, which the origins of that may lie somewhere within Flying High too. But listen to the chat, and you'll hear all about that. And then Jerry Zucker went on and uh, made a couple of serious films. He made Ghost and First Night before he returned to comedy with Rat Race. But let's hear it all from the horse's mouth. In fact, uh, pause the show right now, grab a cup of coffee, strap in for the next 15 minutes or so, because we're going to step into David Zucker's world. Doctors say he's got a 50-50 chance of living. Well, there's only a 10% chance of that. G'day, David. What a thrill it is to be chatting with you today. How are you, sir? I'm really fine. I mean, it's like the temperature, it's like about 74 degrees. It's just... Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's um, my my own little forest here. Yeah. Yeah. Now where I am, it's um you know you gotta you gotta cover cover these little babies. Yeah. <laughs> um. Look, talking to you is like I guess having a reunion with a favorite teacher from high school because so much of my youth was spent at the school of Zucker, Abrams, and Proft. Um. So thank you, sir. It's my pleasure. Sure, I appreciate it. I would be extremely disappointed if any of our listeners were not aware of your work and we do talk about them on the show, but just to add some context to our conversation, some of your films are Airplane, Naked Gun, Top Secret, Basketball, amongst so many more. But as an Aussie, I have one question I'm really curious to know is that how did you feel about the Australian title for Airplane upon release? It was called Flying High down here. Well... You know, this was because Universal uh, didn't thought that it would be confused with their airport movies. 
so and they gave us a lot of trouble about a lot a bunch of things so he they didn't want us to call it airplane at all and the compromise was it would be airplane in north america and then other things all kinds of titles everywhere else and so yeah uk uh was uh flying high yeah same here and it took i guess it took at least a decade or two for people to realize down here that it was actually called airplane <laughs> a lot of people had no idea so even now flying high is the title people recognize yeah yeah well that's strange that's- it's strange <laughs> but um but you and those those aforementioned legends before your brother and um and um well i've lost my train of thought and um and jim abrams, abrams and jim abrams um you essentially created an entire genre of comedy and i guess in some ways you could say that you sort of picked up the torch from mel brooks and carl reiner but there's something very unique about the way you delivered it um what do you think defines the the zucker brand well i think the change was also uh, was almost akin to, um, you know, whatever happened before rock and roll. I mean, there was Sinatra, and there was, I mean, it was a, a whole thing. Like my parents didn't understand rock and roll at all, but you know, there was that generational change. And uh, what we did was took the comedians out of out of comedy, and it was also uh, the reason why it was so hard to get it. Uh, financed. I mean, we we wrote the original script to Airplane in 1975, and you, as you know, I mean, it wasn't released until 1980. So uh, uh, there were a lot of good things about that circumstances, also, because you know we were able to do Kentucky Fried Movie in between after we wrote Airplane, and so we really learned a lot about directing uh, by working with John Landis. For sure. Um- that that is a particular favorite of mine. I think that's up in the top top three, perhaps, of my favorite films of yours, without a doubt. It, was nice. there a point? Was there a point in time where you recognized that you were on a winning formula? Oh, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, we were we started in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, and. We developed our own brand of humor even back then. This was in 1971. And so uh, the reaction, we had a small theater called Kentucky Fried Theater, which of course became Kentucky Fried Movie. But back then uh, we were getting a huge reaction. I mean, audiences just went nuts. They had never seen this kind of humor before. And we knew we had hit on something. And one of the guys in the group and I went out to LA to scout out um, locations for theaters. And when we were out, out here in LA, then <clears throat> we, we saw some of the, the biggest uh, sketch comedy groups there were, like the committee and the Pitchell Players. And, you know, these were big groups and uh, a second city. And we were just blown away by, I mean, not by then so much by, but by, we thought, oh my God, we have machine guns in the Civil War. <laughs> and and we we knew uh, so in answer to your question i mean we knew we had it then and then mm. so and we started the theater in la and it was huge that again very successful because people had never seen anything like it we were we did non-political humor we were just being silly we were we thought uh, media and popular culture was more important than politics and you know 
the, the, the groups at the time were doing Nixon jokes. And we just we thought, how lame. And, and so we evolved our own style. And then when we saw this movie called Zero Hour, are you familiar with that? Yep. So that is the model. That was the model for Airplane. And that's when the idea occurred to us that, oh, we could, we could remake this movie with serious characters, dispense with comedians, and just do it that way. That was the big breakthrough, I think. So Definitely. Uh, we absolutely, and, and then I also get asked the questions a lot, uh, were you surprised by the success of Airplane? Because, you know, we came out of nowhere. And then <laughs> suddenly in 1980, we're on the cover of People and every, everywhere. It was the biggest hit of the summer. Uh, and, and, and so, and we said, actually not, we weren't surprised. You know, without, you know, trying to be too arrogant about it, you know, we had been, you know, we had this experience of having done the uh, live theater and, and we just were very self-confident. Yeah. And we had also been telling every studio and every production company, this is going to be a big hit. And of course, getting turned down everywhere. Uh, but so when it actually was a big hit, we weren't surprised because, I mean, we really did believe this would be a, a, a big hit. Yeah. Lesson to be learned. Back yourself in everything you do, for sure. Yeah, we certainly <laughs> were, were confident. You know, we were, we were very headstrong. Uh, and people would ask us, you know, when we loaded up a U-Haul truck and went from, you know, the Midwest to L.A., the big city, <clears throat> and they said, what was your plan B? uh if if you failed and and you know i was al always make a lame joke like well i always had my my dad's mattress business to fall back on but uh <laughs> but but uh really we had no plan b we absolutely you know believed 100 percent that it would work so For sure. we were pretty headstrong. and so much of that story with airplane is all about pushing boundaries as well and Mel Brooks once famously said that um, terrible things, he, you know, it's his job to make terrible things entertaining. Were there ever any no-go zones for you guys with your comedy? Well, you know, there's always a no-go zone. I don't think we're ever mean-spirited or, you know, racist or, you know, anything bad. Mm. But we do push boundaries and make just, you know, we make fun of anything that is taken seriously. Yeah, sure. And so I think one of the big things we pointed out was that movies are bad, you know, movies are complete bullshit. And, and, you know, and you're being asked to believe this serious stuff in all the airport movies. And that was just one genre that we picked, yeah. but, you know, later we picked the, <clears throat> the police genre, you know, so we, we spoofed Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry and uh, Pat Proft and I just wrote a script uh, called counterintelligence spelled with a J which is a spoof of the uh, international spy thriller genre, Born, Bond, uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, fantastic. So, That's yeah. exciting. Is there, a, is there a film of yours that you are most proud of and one that you think is your best? One that I think what? The, and one that you think is possibly your best. Oh, well, I think the, the, the one I'm most proud of and, and the best it still is Airplane <clears throat> because it was an unbelievable experience. You know, we were just, we were really three regular guys from the Midwest and suddenly we're, we got the biggest hit movie in, in the country and, and coming out of, you can only come from nowhere once mm. and you can only make that splash once. 
I remember my parents held a screening. A, it was really the world premiere of Airplane. It was a week before it actually opened to the public uh, at the Fox Bay Theater, which was our local theater in Milwaukee, which we used to go to to see Three Stooges. And, and here was our movie playing for, uh, uh, you know, our parents uh, invited just the, you know, the immediate city, you know, to this thing. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, and that was amazing. And so it got a great reaction. Um, and and you, you can only do that once. I mean, we had other movies, you know, we went back and they, we did, uh, you know, top secret screening and naked gun. Um, but it was never this, it was never the same. It was quite as big as airplane. Yeah, so sure. I, I know that, I know that I'll never have an experience like that again. And, but, and also, you know, that's okay. I mean, I, I don't, you know, you can also ruin your life by trying to top something constantly. Yeah, trying but, to chase that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You can't chase it. And, and I've had uh, other successes and failures since then. And, uh, you know, uh, otherwise, I mean, my life is, is pretty good. You know, I got married, I had two great kids and, you know, things, but so I don't depend on, you know, having a big hit mm. uh, to validate me or, or make me happy. For sure. For sure. And speaking of, um, speaking of greatness, I, I would like to, to ask, do you think that the Isle of Lucy joke is your best joke? Because I do. Ever. Yeah. That is the, one of the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can, I, I think over, you know, there was another joke in, <laughs> in Kentucky Fried Movie that was, I mean, there's so many great jokes in Kentucky Fried Movie. I may not recommend it as the greatest movie ever to, to watch all the way through because it's hit and miss. But you know what I lo love about Kentucky Fried Movie is that 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 one run we have, uh, who are they? Is they're lost drunken men uh, who don't know who they are and no longer care. <laughs> and then and, and the Bruce Lee guy says, and who are these? These are lost drunken men who don't know who they are, but do care. <laughs> and these are men who know who they are and care, but don't drink. <laughs> so it's like, I love that. So we always would, would do these runs. And that was one of our first uh, who's on first routines. Yeah. yeah. And that is sort and of mirrored with, uh, the, yeah. with the sight gag of the, um, the room that's bugged with all the microphones, like it sort of flows on with oh, that as well. That's right. There's so many great things. And uh, uh, danger seekers. I mean, you know, a lot of these things we couldn't do today. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, we... isn't it? I was, I was going to ask you on that note is that, you know, over the years, so many people have picked up the torch and, and run with it and almost flogged the spoof genre to death. Do you think there's room for parody movies now? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you need a good subject. Uh, but, you know, the studio heads are so frightened or the committees that they give it to that, you know, they don't want to do anything that's, you know, I mean, Pat, Pat Proft and I have written a great script, The Counterintelligence, and it's funny without, I don't think it touches any nerves mm. because spoof is not about uh, current pop culture. It's and it's not a rom-com. It's just, it's a spoof of a certain genre. Uh, so we don't, I don't think we can be accused of the sexism, racism, the, you know, all the isms yeah. that are going on in the cancel culture. But yeah. you never know. 
I mean, I think the studios are so frightened to do anything that, uh, mm. you know, there's no good comedy now. Yeah, well, do you think uh, that's something that, you know, independently could, you know, could be much more powerful? Um, well, we're working on getting, trying to get financing for counterintelligence. And I also have a, a script, it's a film noir comedy. Right. And again, right. it's, you know, dead serious, like those film noirs were. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's such a great script, but, you know, studios will be frightened of anything of, yes. you know, oh, you can't do a black and white movie, but, you know, they did the artist and I think it won the Oscar. Indeed. And a bunch of Oscars. So even though, you know, uh, my company is an Oscar free company, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't get anything like that. <laughs> Your accolades come to you in different ways. So yes. uh, before I, before I let you run, um, I just want to touch on one thing. And many years ago, I heard you discussing airplane as a side note on a commentary track. And I think it was a Kentucky fried movie. And you said that, after all those years, you could never bring yourself to watch Airplane 2. And I'm wondering that, you know, since you yourself have sort of um, sort of dived into pre-established series like Scary Movie, has curiosity got the better of you with that one? Never. I, have, I don't see any bad movie. So <laughs> I, I, I won't go to a theater to see a bad movie. And so I have no curiosity, no desire to see... Airplane too, and in fact, it's it's actually worse than that. It's I don't want to see it because I, you can't unsee that stuff. Yeah, you right. know, uh, you know, my son the other day was showing me this uh, this thing with uh, Je- uh, uh, some comedian doing a thing about uh, the Jeffrey Tubin, the guy that was uh, uh, caught masturbating on a Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, and then they had him his first day back on CNN, and my son thought it was amusing, but I couldn't watch it. I just, you know, I didn't want to see this. Just like so icky. You, you can't <laughs> unsee that stuff. So I didn't want to. And you know, and there was also many years ago. There, remember, there was some YouTube video: two girls, one cup. <laughs> yeah. um, it was totally I think it was totally gross yes. and I never wanted to see it because you can't unsee that stuff so I, I never wanted, had an interest in seeing Airplane 2 we, we, uh, Paramount offered it to us mm. to do it and our idea was to do you know Bob Hayes and Julie Haggerty fly down the plane and he takes her home to meet his family and it's the Godfather <laughs> you know, amazing Amazing. He's being Michael Corleone, and he's sucked into this mob. And <laughs> and Param- and and we pitched it to Eisner and Katzenberg, who were the head of uh, a Paramount at the time. They loved it, and mm. so they went to Francis, and he said no because he wanted <sighs> to do Godfather Three. So yeah. I mean, in hindsight, they absolutely <laughs> airplane two w- with us, but. You know, we, we never blamed uh, Eisner and Katzenberg. Eisner and Katzenberg were nothing but good to us. Yeah. You know, they. it was a miracle that Airplane got made. It was a miracle that it got made at Paramount, which was the best studio because of people like uh, Frank Mancuso, uh, Michael Eisner, and Jeff Katzenberg. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, well, I want to thank you for not doing a tubing on this Zoom call. That's for sure. <laughs> I do appreciate I'll, it. I'm gonna, I, I'll make sure this thing is blocked and... and <laughs> I know how to press the button, the right buttons on this thing. God, 
like, no, this thing, I mean, I, I, I am old, but at least I know how to work the buttons. I mean, you can, you, I know how to press leave. It's, there's a big red thing saying leave. Oh, oh, God. I tell you what you do want to do. Do yourself the favor and watch his on-air apology because that is, that's a thing of beauty. Who, who fronts yeah. up and admits all that? Oh, hilarious. But, yeah, um, but I also, I don't like, I don't like seeing people humiliated. You know, when our family used to watch American Idol and so, and they know I didn't, I didn't like to watch when somebody like missed, forgot the, the words or went yeah. off key. I, I don't like that. Or ice can't watch ice skating competitions <laughs> because I'm afraid to fall. I can't. Yeah. Anyway, like picking the low hanging fruit for sure. But I um, look, I can't think of a better way for us to celebrate parody films and comedy spoofs than by talking with one of the founding fathers himself. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Did I say that slow enough for Ben? I think you did. Okay, James, you got a you got a little head there. Pat Proft, David Zucker. I'm jealous because Pat Proft told us no. But keep going, Chad. Yeah, so we're gonna be talking about spoof movies today. Yeah. And I want to talk about one that is critically panned, but I think for all three of us, it holds a special place. I am talking about the parody of The Exorcist Repossessed repossessed i haven't seen in a long time but i laughed my ass off when i saw it and nobody liked it and it did no business it and it still gets it, it's not very well acclaimed but i laughed non-stop about this and this is one of those early uh, uh leslie nielsen movies when he was just going into straight parodies when right. uh, during when this is the start of it starred leslie nielsen it brought linda blair back and the reason I thought about this this week when I got this is we just lost Ned Beatty this week. Rest mm -hmm. in peace, Ned Beatty. So he's in it. And it also stars uh, the, the lead of Attack, Return of the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Stark. But it's a great movie that parodies um, Exorcist movies. It has a great montage of Leslie Nelson in a gym trying to work out uh, to get prepared to go do the exorcism. And, and again, Ned Beatty being Ned Beatty. It's worth watching if you haven't seen it. It's one of the lesser known pair spoofs that's kind of been forgotten a little bit. Uh, highly recommend checking that out. Ned Beatty's got the great line that I still remember, even though I haven't seen the movie in forever, where the little dog tries to bite him. He's a televangelist, correct? And he goes, you yes. little shit zoo, shit zoo. I said shit zoo. <laughs> and right? it wasn't, and it's not even a shit zoo. <laughs> it's not even a shit zoo. So when people ask me about folks who, 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 influenced me i always say python mel brooks sam raimi those folks but zaz zucker abram zucker which also pat prof goes with that because he wrote in the original kentucky theater i love those movies those oh my god i'm not even going to talk about scary movie even like what's it what's those shitty ones called like hero movie and all those other ones they don't get yeah. it they don't understand superhero movie they yeah. just don't understand comedy and they don't understand spoofs i'm going to say something that is everyone's favorite one of everyone's favorite the posters right around my back here it's the naked gun it is one of my favorite spoofs of all time as much as i love airplane and airplane has more laughs per minute they voted on this entertainment weekly if anybody remembers about 15 20 years ago called it the funniest movie of all time the naked gun is not only one of the funniest movies of all time it's one of my favorite movies of all time Every once in a while, I still put that or the Naked Gun two and a half on, and it makes me laugh if I'm having a bad day. 
Same here. Right up there with Blazing Saddles. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I was going to say uh, Young Frankenstein, and then I thought, you know what? I need to say uh, Sons of the Ham so I can see Joe get angry. But no, (laughs) no, I'm going to go with one that doesn't get much love anymore, and it should, should, Our Man Flint. Our Man (laughs) Flint, if you've never seen it, needs to get more attention. A, it's where they got the name of the villain for a certain Die Hard movie. B, the theme has been used again in Austin Powers. Yep. They use it in tons of other places. It's a very well-known theme. Austin Powers ripped off in like Flint and Our Man Flint like no other. And no one yep. ever says anything about it. And I like nope. Austin Powers. But it ripped off more of that than it did actual Bond. Well, and, and Hudson Hawk uses part of the theme from, I mean, the cultural legacy, and people tend to not remember Armand Flint or the sequel in Mike Flint. It is a spy spoof of its time, and it makes fun of Bond directly. There's even a line, is it Spectre? No, it's bigger than Spectre. I mean, it constantly is just yeah. making fun of and pointing out issues with Bond and all that stuff. And so, you know, it is from 1966, but it is probably one of the first spy spoofs of its type deserves some credit our man flint if you've never seen it check it out james coburn real quick one last thing for any of you out there old enough to remember there were also other spoofs that that uh, start a certain dino called mad helm sorry i had to pause for a second i forgot the name mad helm check those out too they're not as good as in like flint but there's several matt helm pictures and they got some great jokes about sinatra in them this has been and, and before we end bonehead Why? since these two's got two Check out Black Dynamite. It's amazing. Oh, and, and Harlan Nelson wrote a third uh, Flint movie that never got made. There you go. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size that took 62 minutes. You may have noticed in that segment that the Boneheads did reference Pat Proft being on the show. <laughs> Funny story about that. Pat Proft was supposed to be on this show. He's going to join us. He's the guy, if you don't know, he wrote Police Academy, Bachelor Party, Real Geniuses, uh, Hot Shots, Naked Gun, and he directed Wrongfully Accused, which is one of my favorite Leslie Nielsen films. And he had agreed uh, to appearing on the show, but when when push came to shove and we started making arrangements and schedules and he fell into radio silence. And sadly, we were not able to make that happen, which is a shame because it would have been a real celebration of his work. But um, we ended up with the big gun himself, so that's all I care about. <laughs> ben, here are some more random spoof movies for you that I think are worth a mention just to throw them out there. Uh, some oddities too. There was an Italian spoof from the nineties called Chicken Park. <laughs> I I got a kick out of that one back in the day. Have you seen? Have you seen it? Have you actually watched the movie? Many times over. It's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't imagine. It sounds like a kind of a, like a child molester movie. <laughs> what? Well, my mates and I in high school used to watch it and quote it all the time, but. Um, Truma also released one called Viewer Discretion Advised, which was like a Kentucky Fried movie style sketch movie. That always tickled me. And they did Cannibal the Musical as well. They sure did. Let's not forget about uh, Plump Fiction and 2001 A Space Travesty. <laughs> what a banger. Isn't Truma's War, is Truma's War a parody? Uh, kinda. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> the, what about uh, Young Doctors in Love and uh, Stitches? Stitches a parody? Mm. parody mm. no young doctors <laughs> in love definitely is all right well what's your next banger lay it on uh, me the guy went a bit more modern for my next one uh i don't I, for some reason in my head this was the kind of the first of the more modern parody movies that 
you know, kind of preceded the American Pie kind of, you know, rediscovery of 80s, 80s genre movies. Uh, and this is, of course, not another teen movie from 2001. Of course it is. Yes. And that was a welcome spoof movie at the time. I remember it, you know, being fresh, you know, fresh take on the whole parody thing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's great. Like it is, it's got a great cast and it does like, including like Kyla Lee. And the funny thing about Kyla Lee, I was reading at the time, and this was like the kind of one of the first things she ever did, but she was a big time cokehead. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons that she got off Coke is because Joel Gallen, the director of another, another teen movie at one point said, wow, you're really thin. Now that, that this was in like an interview and I'm like, yeah, that's the reason why girls, especially actresses get off Coke because they, they somehow they've become too thin in Hollywood. It's the most ridiculous, the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever read. Uh, and I reckon complete horseshit. But anyway, it's Kyla Lee, Chris Evans, Eric Christian Olsen, Jamie Presley, uh, Dean Richmond, who funnily enough was in Scream 3, uh, Mia Kirshner, Randy Quaid, Ron Lester, who basically plays the same character that he played in Varsity Blues, uh, Cody McMains, who was the little horny little kid in uh, Bring It On, uh, who basically plays the same character in this, Lacey Chabert, Sam Levine from Freaks and Geeks, uh, Paul Gleason from the Breakfast Club reprises his role, which he would then go and do later again, once again in uh, Van Wilder Party Liaison. Uh, Ed Lauder pops up, Mr. T, Molly Ringwald, uh, Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother, Oz Perkins turns up, Melissa Joan Hart plays it, basically plays herself in it, um, and Samira Armstrong turns up, and it took me ages to figure out who she was. Like I kept looking at the character going, why do I know her? What do I know her from? And it's because in the movie, she's part of a co-joined twin and they're joined by the head and she's in a wig. So it's very hard to tell, to tell. but this movie does, uh, does take the piss out of uh, movies like bring it on 10 things I had about you breakfast club, pretty in pink, drive me crazy. She's all that cruel intentions. Never been kissed has a pretty big part in it. Can't hardly wait. American Beauty, American Pie. Although, funnily enough, the American Pie stuff is is really all Randy Quaid fucking pies throughout the whole movie. Oh, and uh, and Serena Vincent being the the naked foreign exchange student, who uh, I think at the beginning of the of the movie she comes, she's like, "There's a well, why have you come here? I've just come here to to uh, have sex with the awkward American boys who can't get American pussy or something like that." She says something like that to the principal, and the principal. I wish I I wish I'd written down his name. He's the uh, divorce lawyer in Fletch. He's like he's in he's in tons of stuff. He's really good. He always plays like a kind of slimy type type authority figure. Um, but he's the yeah he's the divorce lawyer in Fletch. In Fletch, who's banging his who's actually banging his wife. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's really good. And there's some there's some good kind of references in it. Like the high school they go to is John Hughes High. And uh, the, the the dining hall is is Anthony Michael dining hall, which is like a, <laughs> lots of little kind of great great gags in it. Yes, that's as good as the Isle of Lucy joke that I talked about with David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn, that's a good one. It had a great soundtrack too. Yeah, it did like a really good soundtrack. 
And like Marilyn and Kyla Lee's actually in the Marilyn Manson video clip. Yeah, so strange, so strange. But um, all right. So for my next recommendation, I'm uh, I'm going to go with one I actually only discovered last week, which you know all about because I wouldn't stop talking about it. So 2015, this is a movie that came along to take the piss out of Liam Neeson's Taken series, uh, and I found it to be an unexpectedly hilarious movie. It's called Tooken, <laughs> starring Tooken. Lee Turgeson, um, who's the, uh, the the I love you rocker from Wayne's World. Remember that guy? I love you. Yes. And he's he's the guy, like I love Lee Turgeson. He's in a, a bunch of stuff, but he's the guy from Oz. Yeah, I know. Like you know, the horrifying things that happened to him in Oz. His, his character's transformation in Oz is one of the most miraculous <laughs> things that ever committed to, uh, well, to TV film. Well, talk, talking TV. about commitment, he 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 commits to this movie. Like mm. he is great in this movie. And um, this one to me, like feels like it's one of the the movies that's more aligned with the Zucker universe than than a lot of parodies. For me, it just felt like it was fresh like that. It kind of had a serious streak to it with a lot of funny stuff going on. And there is a narrative there that sort of keeps things you know, chugging along at an idiotic pace. <laughs> I just love the fact that he's a C, CIA agent or former C, uh, CIA agent who just keeps losing stuff. Everything's taken from him. <laughs> everything's everything's taken, you mean. Taken from him. Everything taken is not a real word. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and like, and and his 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 daughter's virginity is about to be taken, and that phone call is hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I I know who you are. You expect to live off this family? Well, that's not going to happen. I've got no money. <laughs> and anyway, look, I don't know. I just this one is free on Tubi. Anyone can watch it. It's um. Yeah, it's just a really funny movie. Did you like it? Because I know you watched it after I told you it was great. Yeah, after you talked about it, I did. I did really like it. Uh, I th- I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm just trying to find out because I think that the um yeah you know the stewardess in it, the, yeah. right at the start who, of the lo- film, who loses her skirt, who loses her skirt. She's one of the producers. Oh, right. she's one of the producers of the film. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> She's telling him that everything's been taken. My skirt's been taken. Then he snaps a photo and he goes, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's because no, that's, he gets the thing. Like, if you don't, was it? What's the uh, threat? It's like if uh, uh, how do you how do you get this number? It's a closed circuit. And he goes, "I'm just going to take something you love." Well, I don't love anything. What if he goes, "Can I can I get another vomit bag?" I'm sorry, all the vomit bags have been taken. Uh, <laughs> Can I get a? Can I get a, a drink? I'm sorry, I, all the drinks have been taken. You believe me now? It's uh... and they're not. Look, they're not the highest caliber cameos, but you do have some good ones in there. You got um, Donnie Wahlberg and Lucas Haas and uh, Ethan Suppley and Margaret Cho plays Brownfinger, and that is hilarious. She is great as the villain, but like her, I love that her her evil plan is shoving explosives up little dogs' asses. <laughs> That's why she's she's got a brown finger. She's like it's a birthmark. Yeah. <laughs> That's why she's called brown finger. Yeah. But um, look, I am so happy that I stumbled across this one. I was not expecting much from it, but I tell you what, anyone that's listening, you're welcome. Go and watch Tooken. It's fucking hilarious. There's, I have to say, Tubi Tubi is a great resource. There's also there's also when I after I watched uh, Tooken, a a <laughs> Steven Seagal movie popped up. 
uh, I can't remember what it's called that I'd never heard. I'd never heard of it before. And uh, I ended up watching that as well. And it was great. Like total, total horseshit, but great. So another brand of um, spoof movies that we haven't really touched upon, uh, the Wayne's Brothers and uh, some of their parodies, which are arguably um, one of their best, has to be Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood, which in my day was the single most stolen title from the video store. Oh, really? Constantly replacing that one. In in the video store I worked at, it was Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man and uh, How High. With the, two, oh, yeah. with the two that... How high uh, makes sense. Uh, ...that kept disappearing. <laughs> but uh, the Waynes Brothers also went on to make the Haunted House movies and Fifty Shades of Black, which is actually a bit of a pisser. Don't, don't, forget, don't forget their first one, uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, which is a... Well, of course. ...black superhero uh, movie. He goes, what makes you qualified to be a black superhero? Well, I, pa- I played college football. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> And of course, they struck gold when they made the uh, scary movie one and two before uh, David Zucker took over the franchise. And uh, so with that, it is time to introduce Chloe, who is new to the team, and she's going to take a deep dive into that giant Afro muff with her reliable weed whacker. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Did you you tell her what her intro was going to (laughs) be? Nah. Baptism by fire. Hello, new friends. I'm Chloe from Movie Night with the Richie Girls, and I am so excited to have joined Good Movie Monday family. As we're talking spoof movies this week, I feel I have a responsibility to try and outdo those Bonehead Weekly guys in as many innuendos as I can fit in possible. So let's see how we go. Now, when I thought of spoof movies, what instantly came to my mind were movies like Hot Shots and Robin Hood Men in Tights and even the Rick Moranic classic Spaceballs. But today I'm going to be focusing on a spoof franchise that I ultimately grew up with and have a huge soft spot for. (laughs) That's what she said. The scary movie franchise. Now, I've never had a particularly strong stomach when it comes to horror, so when the scary movie came on the scene, I felt as though this was definitely something that I could get behind. It takes the piss out of scary movies. Perfect. It features daddy-daughter meth jokes, Polaroids of micro-penises, and Carmen Electra providing that early 2000s semi-nudity. My only criticism? Not enough was the franchise sports five movies which if you're in Australia you can catch them on Stan they're each as silly and whimsical and cringy as the last the first two movies were directed by Keenan Ivory Wayans the third and fourth installments were led by David Zucker and the fifth directed by Malcolm D. Lee the franchise features a multitude of well-known actors and at the helm of the first four movies is the hilarious and talented Anna Faris who plays Cindy Ferris, who despite being unknown before this, shows us just the tip of the iceberg as to how funny she really can be. The Scary Movie franchise also sports other huge Hollywood names like Charlie Sheen, spoof queen Shannon Elizabeth, SNL royalty Sherry O'Terry, David Cross, Tim Curry and legendary spoof king Leslie Nielsen. And then about a thousand more other insanely famous faces. What surprised me the most about these films, though, is just how much money they were raking into the box office. The late 90s and the early 2000s movie scene was ripe with teen horror, just begging to be spoofed. Take Scary Movie 1, for example, which took inspiration from Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. 
The film itself only cost 19 million US dollars to make, which is a relatively low budget. And then it brought in 278 million US dollars worldwide. So if you're wondering why they made four more, there's your answer. If you are one of six people in the entire world who have not seen these movies, now you're a little bit curious, I'd say. So I'm gonna paint you a mental picture. The opening sequence features Carmen Electra in all of her blonde glory running away from the killer. She clumsily loses her shirt and skirt, oh no, and proceeds to slow-mo run through the sprinklers, Baywatch style in her undies. She does a hair flip. The killer catches up to her and stabs her in her big fake boobies. Spoiler alert, she survives that, only to get mown down by her father who's getting a gobby from his wife while driving. So, in summary, lots and lots and lots of boob action. You're welcome, Ben. I was only 10 when the first movie came out, so obviously a lot of it went way over my head at the time, but I have re-watched these movies countless times since, and ultimately I credit the scary movies for taking my love of comedy just to a whole new level. All of them feature a nostalgic place in my heart. The pure dumbness, the quotability, it's just not easily matched these days. They literally make me laugh out loud every single time and make me scream, run, bitch, run, every time as well. <laughs> That's all from me today. I hope you go back and re-watch these classics and then just laugh till it hurts. Have a happy Monday, friends. Oh, how good was that? Fantastic. If you like what Chloe does, then uh, please find her podcast, which is Movie Night with the Richie Girls, which she hosts with her mum. It's lots of fun. But Chloe will also be presenting a brand new Wednesday night video each week with me on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. So add that to your calendar. Thank you, Chloe. It's awesome to have you on the team. And uh, Ben, she spoke about Scary Movie and... Uh, Boy, did, did that movie open the floodgates to a whole lot? You you mentioned not another teen movie, but then we had date movie and superhero movie and epic movie and disaster movie. And the guys behind that made Meet the Spartans and Vampire Suck and Stan Helsing and Starving Games and The Legend of Awesomeness Maximus. <laughs> and the guiltiest pleasure of mine was Super Fast, Super Furious. I love that one. <laughs> Jesus, I've, I've never even heard of Super Fast, Super Furious. But like, I don't <laughs> Parody, how do you parody a franchise that has that already parodies parodies itself in its own universe? Like they go to they go to space, Glenn. They go to space. But there is one <laughs> called a parody movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> do you remember when Scary Movie came out? At the same time, there was another one that was called Shriek. If you know what I did last Friday the Thirteenth. Yes, I do remember that. Is that was that Tiffany Amber Thiessen? Tiffany Amber Thiessen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one kind of just didn't gain any traction, but it was actually quite funny. No, I just I remember the cover vividly, but I don't think I actually watched it. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Add it to your list. <laughs> well, I do, I do like Tiffany Amber Thiessen, uh, who doesn't like Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Not this guy. One more recommendation to go. Let's. Uh, I'm going to make this one snappy. So let me take you back to 2003. Heath Ledger's Ned Kelly had just been released, and in turn, Abe Forsyth gave us Ned, <laughs> the comedy spoof that is not all that far removed, I don't think, from Yahoo Sirius's Young Einstein. But um, Forsyth plays a young Ned Kelly who rides a pony and dreams of being a magician, and I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and um, his dad was played by Jeremy Sims, who's uh, he's he's a struggling rubber farmer, which I also think is hilarious. <laughs> and he um. <laughs> It's a who's who of Aussie talent too. You've got uh, Damon Harriman, Felix Williamson, um, 
uh, Michaela Barnes, uh, Scott Major, Tony Barry, Chris Lilly, Grant Bowler, Cornelia Francis, Andrew Tedo, Jason Donovan, Nash Edgerton, for fuck's sake. I was going to say, it sounds like at the start there, I thought it was going to be an almost uh, always greener cast reunion. (laughs) Dude, I look, I hadn't seen it in a long time and I watched it last week and I forgot how actually on point the comedy was. It is really sharp and it's really witty and it's loaded to the brim with gags. And when one gag might fail, there's another one right behind it to pick things back up again. And um, most of them hit target. So... Yeah, if you've never seen Ned, I don't know if it's easy or difficult to come by, but I do highly recommend it. The fact that there's a rubber farmer in it and they eat rubber for dinner. You will be quiet and you'll eat your rubber. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's good. It's good fun. Abe Forsyth has also gone on to make, um, was it Little Monsters? That uh, zombie yeah. film from last year or the year before. He's, he's having quite a so, career, the old Abe Forsyth. From, from the dorky brother in Always Greener, to uh yeah and he he happens to be married to one of the finest australian actresses of them all are you talking about helen delimore i think i think they might be divorced i think they might have separated really (laughs) she's the only person i know who's been in a yahoo serious movie and on what whatever the australian version of broadway is (laughs) true she was in uh wicked play glinda the good witch Mm. Anyway, I said I'd make it snappy, so I have delivered on my promise. What's your next one? I'm going to make mine even snappier, and I'm going to go back even further uh, to 1981 uh, and talk about student bodies. Oh, yes. The uh, can't not talk about the ultimate horror parody from from you know I think it's what it would have been the probably the first horror parody. Yep, I think. Um, directed by Mickey Rose, and there is someone else apparently also silently uh, directed it, kind of like Spielberg and Poltergeist. Kind of <laughs> controversial, <laughs> controversy. Uh, but uh, it stars Kristen Ritter, Matthew Goldsby, but the star of the movie is actually The Stick, aka Patrick Boone Varnell, who plays Malvert the Janitor who is possibly the funniest, he's the funniest, most awkward character in comedy history. And it's, it's worthwhile just watching the movie just for him. And of course, this is, this is a kind of a parody of Halloween and Friday the 13th and Prom Night and all those kind of uh, 70s, late 70s, early 80s horror movies. Um, and basically, a, 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 and I think Scream kind of owes a lot to this movie. Like it is a, he's a, a it's a, a voice on a phone uh, slash gum, galoshes wearing killer who uh, only kills teens who are having sex, uh, as as you know, as is one of the uh, '80s horror rules. Um, and he does so like he always does it with a a random object that he finds nearby, like including I think he uses paper clips, one and uh, a uh, an eggplant. It's like it's all kind of ridiculous things that he he kills people with. He kills he kills a, a couple of teens in a cow float at a parade, uh, and uh, two two teens having sex in the back of a car at a funeral, which of course that's you know, and all of the guys. That's the great thing. They're always it's always inappropriate places, and the guys are always like you know whatever it is. That's what gets me hot, like uh, like cow floats, you know bull bull floats. That's what gets me hot. Funerals, funerals get me hot. 
I think there's one, they're under the, one time they're under the bleachers and everyone's just dropping trash all over them at a football game. It's like, trash just gets me so hot. <laughs> they try to convince the, the girls to have sex with them. And it, it's, you know, it is, it is of its time, but it is hilarious. Definitely worth checking out. My favorite gag in the whole movie is right at the start. It's like, a, it's a total Halloween kind of ripoff with a babysitter uh, gets murdered, but the parents come home and as the, the wife is kind of running through the house screaming a lot and the dad walks into the kitchen and there's a bit of KFC on the floor, but it's like someone's taken a bite out of it and dropped it and the bite has fallen out of their mouth. And he sees the KFC on the floor and he goes, hmm, broken. And he picks up the chicken and he picks up the bite and he kind of puts them back together and then gets some sticky tape and wraps it together and puts it back in the fridge. <laughs> It's just the most ridiculous gag. It is hilarious. Oh, man. Well, you were right. Uh, that was much snappier than my recommendation. No, it was not at all. <laughs> As it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen and Triple M with another good Movie Monday recommendation. This week, we are doing movie spoofs, and the spoof that I've picked is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Now, this ridiculous, goofy, funny movie came hot on the heels of Ray and Walk the Line. And because it was in such close proximity to those films, which did so well at the Academy Awards and the box office, that this whole area of the music biopic was so fresh in people's minds that it plays at hues so close to the line that if this didn't have John C. Riley's goofy face in the center and have this same framework, you might think that it was part of some kind of unofficial trilogy of films. But director Jake Cadson here, with help from Judd Apatow, populates this with so many funny actors and so many funny scenes, and they know that there is something inherently almost cynical about this, you know, like great man revisiting his whole life before going out on stage and playing this concert. Uh, this movie has a huge amount of really rock solid gags. It's almost a shame that this movie came out in 2007 because just a few years ago we had another resurgence of these type of movies and I'd like to see another spoof and a parody of things like Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star Is Born. But I think that, you know, like this is just a really good stoner hungover movie. But it really solidified John C. Riley as being like a comic powerhouse. Now, I mean, he was always and always will be a fantastic character actor. And I think everyone thought that he was funny, but we were kind of laughing at him in a way. We weren't laughing kind of with him. And here, I know that he came off Talladega Nights. And if you had told me that, you know, uh, that Will Ferrell's partner in crime in comedic filmmaking would be this guy, like, you know, 10 years ago, I, you know, 20 years ago, I just wouldn't kind of believed it. But John is so comfortable of making an absolute dickhead of himself and here he just does it ad nauseum and so i think that you know so john can carry an entire comedic movie one that's populated with cameos from everyone from you know paul rudd uh you know like jenna fisher kristen wig you know everyone harold ramus everyone's in this movie so if you manage to slip this because this is definitely i think kind of uh, slotted into cult fandom at this stage like when it came out i watched it like five times i loved it i couldn't get enough of it but it might have just slipped underneath your radar so if you can track down walk hard the dewey cox story do and i think that you'll love it and maybe even watch ray and walk the line beforehand to give an extra purpose to the gags uh well you know if you've listened to the show you know what i'm about to say adam ross is the chairman of the australian film critics association and you can hear him every week on triple m find his facebook page which is called adam's just seen and I guess get in touch with him if you want to banter more about movies. Uh, so that does bring us to the end of the show. A couple more uh, 
spoof movies that I must mention uh, because no one else is talking about them. Adam Rifkin made a movie called National Lampoon's Homo Erectus, and I think that's a hilarious movie. Uh, Spy Hard, of course, Down Periscope, which I, I think Ben loves. <laughs> I do love Down Periscope. And uh, and who can forget Delta Farce? <laughs> Jesus. Of all the movies that <laughs> yeah. And I know, like, you know, your old mate, Jim Wynorski, directed a series of uh, Bear Wench Project movies, mate. He certainly did. And they're excellent. And uh, I don't know if he did any of the sex files as well. <laughs> the the fact that your face lit up and everyone missed it. I forgot the, the great ones. The, um, what was it? Seduction Cinema did uh, uh, the, oh, what was it? Playmate of the Apes. Lord of the G Strings, uh, <laughs> Spider Babe, they did all of those uh, all those parodies there. I wish I, I didn't even think of them until just now, but I would have loved to do, to have done uh, Playmate of the Apes with Debbie Rashawn. Like they they did some there's a great makeup in them. Misty Monday, Misty Monday stars in all those movies. There's a Tomb Raider one with Misty Monday and her sister, uh, which was particularly shit. Uh, like they're all i mean they're, they're fucking horrible by great i mean like outrageously bad kind of soft core faux they're all like faux lesbian kind of <laughs> soft yeah it, it, they're terrible but hilarious <laughs> well i don't know how to tie that in with what i'm about to say but uh, there is a movie <laughs> turning 20 years old uh this year it's called bacon head which is another one that troma did release it was directed by a guy called ray mahoney and it's a movie i actually adore and i've been trying to uh put together a, a video for our social media with a conversation with ray all about that um the first attempt to record that didn't go as planned just to uh due to technical snafus and whatnot but we'll try to put that together for you all bacon head is a very funny movie um but that's about it that's been a, that's, that's that's it for the show i hope uh, i hope we've inspired you to go out and uh spoof all over the place uh of course uh we are sponsored by some amazing people four pillars gin astor theater luna driving eagle entertainment and umbrella entertainment uh we have a whole lot of prizes from most of them up on our website so visit goodmoviemonday.com if you want to enter but for now thanks to jared guillermo adam joe chad and james and once again thank you and uh Welcome to Chloe, a fantastic first show for her. And also thanks to Tia, who helps behind the scenes on social media. And uh, thank you all for listening. We're going to be back next week to do it all again. Cheers, Ben. It's always fun. Are you all spoofed out? I'm I'm spoof-laden. Spoof-ridden? <laughs> spoofed. Spoofed, spoofed out. Spoofed out. <laughs> well, one more parody to see you out. This is the opening song from the Zucker Brothers and Abrams classic, Top secret, this is Skeet Surfing.